Good afternoon, everyone. This is episode 42 of the Off Topical Podcast. My name is Gardner. And I'm Raven. And uh, what do we got coming up on the show today? We have a ton of stuff. Mozilla was nominated for hashtag internet villain for the dumbest reason ever. Plus, rumor has it Valve are working on a new Steam controller, and we go into what we'd like to see on this thing. A big part of the internet went down this week, and we get to the bottom of it. Plus, the UK says 30,000 online followers makes you an internet celebrity, and that makes me excited because I have 45,000 followers. That makes me an internet celebrity. All this and more today. All right, the first story this week, Mozilla was nominated for Internet Villain for the dumbest reason ever. Raven, you wanted to talk about the story, so uh, take it away, my friend. Ugh, so basically, the ISPA, the Internet Services Providers Association of the UK, which was established in 1995, decided that Mozilla is an internet villain for wanting to uh, basically encrypt DNS traffic. Which, you know, would be a good thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a good thing for everyone but the government. So, I mean, okay. Uh, and it hilariously and not surprising to anyone blew up in their face. Like, oh, yeah. Uh, so, in the show notes, you can see a link to uh, the tweet and the tweet that they responded with, which I'm going to read in just a second, after everyone attacked them, wasn't even an attack. Everyone was just kind of like, are you high? <laughs> Dude, this is so funny. Like, the, the top, the, the first comment here uh, in response to their tweet says, so by making the internet more secure, they're making the internet less secure. Got it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so here's what they had to say. Uh, ISP Internet Villain. Uh, we have Mozilla, which shouldn't be on there. We have Article 13 Copyright Directive, which I guess should be on there. And then, for some reason, President Trump is on there. I mean, I don't know. That one seemed kind of, like, silly, but, eh, whatever. But the Mozilla one is fantastic, and here is the reason why. <clears throat> for their proposed approach to introduce DNS over HTTPS in such a way as to bypass UK filtering obligations and parental controls, undermining internet safety standards in the UK. Uh, okay. I don't understand how lookups uh, up through DNS being secure makes the internet less safe for people. Like Yeah, and not just that. Parents can still do parental controls from their router. Yeah. Because remember in the UK, they're going to have that stupid thing where like you need a – what is it for the, for the porn? I forget what it is. I don't know. But websites have to comply with it. And apparently now websites are not going to be able to comply. Like it, it really doesn't make much sense. So, you know, they got crapped on for like uh, – here, here's someone – uh, Bonnie1020RBLX. Wow, what a handle. <laughs> yes, clearly, the heroic thing to do is assist the government in its authoritarian approach to censoring the internet. Wait a minute. That sounds like something a villain would do. Right? That's perfect. <laughs> the, the second top one. Is this a really elaborate viral marketing thing from Mozilla? <laughs> oh my god, that sounds about right. And that would be great. That would absolutely be fantastic. Um, I wasn't able to find anything from Mozilla in response to it um, at all. Yeah. But the funny thing is, is Google and Mozilla have been working on this since last year or the year before. 
So it's not like this is some mystery, like, oh, this just recently appeared. No, it it didn't. Like, it's they've known about it. I think it's pretty cool. Like, encrypting DNS over HTTPS or yeah. even running it over HTTPS. I always thought it was. Doesn't like I never I never realized that it wasn't. I thought DNS lookups were over a different port, aren't they? Over a different port than eighty or four. Yeah, I just I thought they were encrypted is all, but maybe I just think too you much actually, about the internet. You have to specify DNS uh, sec as your, your preferred DNS method if you want it to be encrypted. Uh, well, see, that's why the move to moving it only over HTTPS is fantastic because then everyone has it. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> this, this is brilliant. Um, the ISPA UK put out this tweet, which was basically a response, but it was in an image form. It wasn't typed, which I found weird. <laughs> which is like a very Kanye West thing to do. Right? <laughs> the de- so they say the debate on DNS over HTTPS is evidently a topic that polarizes opinion. No, not really. However, <laughs> our position is clear. ISPA believes that bringing in DNS over HTTPS, DOH, by default, would be harmful for online safety, cybersecurity, and consumer choice. Now, I could understand none of those because I don't get how encrypting your DNS traffic helps with online safety. Like, because that's taught at the home in front of the computer. Yeah. Like, we're, because we're not talking like sexual predators and stuff like that. Like, they already do lots of stuff to try to hide themselves. So, this is kind of a moot topic. Right. You know, it's like most terrorists, for the most part, don't run around on Facebook blabbing about the shit. Like, come <laughs> on, you know. And as far as cybersecurity goes, I would say that would be more in line with, say, uh, authoritarian stuff from the government, and you know, just you know, kind of like how the UK wanted to kill encryption because encryption's bad. Like, no, no. And then consumer choice, I don't even know how that one even factors into it. Like the other two, I can kind of see how they can factor into it because it's kind of relevant. But how exactly is consumer choice? Like, should it really be a choice as to whether or not you want your traffic encrypted or not? Like, it's like, at a given, you always want it to be encrypted. Yeah. Well, I mean, consumers don't know what they want when it comes to computers. That's the thing. Right. So I don't understand. Like, should you offer a choice of encrypted or unencrypted traffic? No, you shouldn't. No? No? It's like it's like asking, you know, do you want a car without seatbelts? No, I want a car with seatbelts. Thank you. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, cars, people, you know, if you gave people the option to have a car without seatbelts, there would be dumb people who would opt for the car without seatbelts. Maybe because it's cheaper. Maybe because, you know, they just don't like seatbelts and they don't want them. But guess what's going to happen if you give people cars without seatbelts? There will be more fatalities on the road. The same thing with the Internet, with not encrypting your DNS, not encrypting your internet traffic guess what you'd have more uh man in the middle attacks you'd have more uh attack surface and i just think that this is like a good thing that you would have dns over https which would be awesome and by the way dns looks a port uh occur over port 53 it looks like um so this would be moving it to port 443 um that's pretty Interesting. interesting that is uh, and the next thing, of course, that they said, the next paragraph is, we are working with stakeholders and want to engage with browser and app companies to make DOH for fit for purpose in the UK. Okay. But you just <laughs> said that you don't want it because it's bad. Okay. Our nomination is a lighthearted way of encouraging further debate around how DOH is implemented in the UK. But 
you nominated them for being a villain for wanting to improve user like everything like security, security privacy and everything you nominated them as a villain it's ignorant like, dude this is so ignorant it's not even you know what it is it's not even ignorance it's pure the government just wants control and i know that makes me sound like one of those crazy ass conspiracy theorists but that's literally all it is yeah. They just want control, whether it's the government being the ones doing it or the organization wants control. Because remember, it's, a, it's, a, it's an association of ISPs. They have to be relevant. If they're no longer relevant, then why are they getting money? So they have to make their job relevant. Yeah. Even if it's stupid, which this clearly is. I mean, the only, the only thing, in my opinion, that even remotely gets an Internet Villain Award, because the Trump thing kind of contradicts their reason for Mozilla. Regardless of whether or not you agree with Trump, I mean, it, it sort of does from one perspective. And also, too, it, to me, he's just too easy to attack. So it's just kind of lame, you know? Well, it's funny because, um, like, what, what did they say about him again? They, he caused well, a huge amount of uncertainty across the complex global, te- global telecommunications supply chain in the course of trying to protect national security, right? Where it's like, you know... So, so basically, what they're saying here is by by uh, trying to protect security in one sense, in either sense, national security or internet security, uh, that makes you a bad person. And you know, I don't have a a bone of sympathy or or like for Donald Trump, but at the same time, it's like you know, he is he he is just an easy figure to attack at this point. And it's like, come on, really? We know that he's yeah. a dumb mother effer. <laughs> yeah, but it's not even just that. It's 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 just it's so just contradictory. Like you attack Mozilla for removing your country's right to oh, cybersecurity, but then yeah. it, it's just stupid. See, I anyway, I, yeah, that, but I the Article Thirteen, that, totally. The Article Thirteen, yeah. I mean, that's the one that should be nominated. It shouldn't be anything else. There, it should just be Article Thirteen because right. Trump's too easy and. Uh, Mozilla, that's just stupid. Like, <laughs> more security makes you a villain. It's like, what? No, th- what? It's, this that is foolishness. Just, it's so stupid. It's so stupid. Uh, it's so stupid. Yeah. And the best part though is, is so many people commenting. I didn't even know you existed, and they're from the UK. <laughs> that's the best part. We didn't even know you existed until now. Thanks for letting us know you exist. Yikes. Yeah, this is so dumb. It's so stupid, and, man. And how does this foster? Because that's the thing that blows me away, right? Like, how does it foster, uh, you know, like discussion when you're like, you're a villain? Like, that doesn't foster discussion. Like, bringing someone to the table fosters discussion. Yeah, I completely agree. Like, when it you just when you doesn't... engage when you ratchet up the the rhetoric and you engage in that kind of hyperbole it, you know and you're it, it's just like you're not you're not doing yourself any favors when you're trying to you know win an argument no you just look you just look ridiculous like you can't win that way yeah. and then I, as i said i found the whole um you know we're just we're doing it so that we can uh have a dialect it's like <sighs> Yeah. Okay, like I think you're just mad because you spent years implementing all this crap, and then Mozilla came along and it's like DNS over HTTPS. Anyone right. <laughs> like just barging through the door? Yeah. But the thing is, they don't attack Google. Google's doing the same thing. They don't say anything to Google. Why don't they say anything to Google? 
Why is Google not a villain? I don't know. It's a good question. That's weird. Yeah. I mean, because Google is an actual villain. Right. So it's like, like, why are they not a villain in this case? So, <laughs> okay. I mean, sure. Aye, aye, aye. We want to know what you guys think about this story. Uh, do you think that um, the ISP, uh, the ISPA UK is in the right here to call Mozilla a villain? Uh, maybe not for the same reasons that they're actually saying. What do you think? Let us know in the show notes, forum.heavyelement.io. Uh, we're also on uh, Mastodon. I'm at gbryant at libram.one. He's at raven. Uh, he's at raven867854 uh, at libram.one. There you go. That's you how got you it. Is. And uh, yeah, let us know what you think. Next up, the rumor has it that Valve are working on a new Steam controller. I'm interested to know what features you'd like to see, Raven. You know, I have a Steam controller. I do have a Steam controller. I never really talk about it because I don't ever really use it. Um, but that's just because the only time I use a controller, I use my original Xbox 360 wired controller I bought back in 2007, which, by the way, it still works. Nice. It's, dude, I need to retrobite it. It's actually so old, it's starting to fade. Whoa. You know how old that makes me feel? Because, you know, it's the white. Yeah. It makes me feel so old that I've owned it long enough that it's starting to fade. St- it makes me feel old. Are the sticks still, like, holding it together? Are they still, like, worth it? Yeah, they don't ghost or, you know, get that weird, like, you know, anything. Uh, it wow. did have. It does have this one problem. The left stick, if you push it down too hard, it'll get stuck and you have to pop it up. But it's been like that since the day I bought it. Damn, dude. Yeah, it's, it hasn't changed at all. I'm surprised it still works. Yeah, I the original Xbox 360 controller that I had, which came with my Xbox 360 arcade unit that I bought, <laughs> um, which still works, by the way, um, it, that, that controller uh, died a long, long time ago. Um, nice. Yeah, mine's from 2006, 2007, and it's a wired one. I bought it off Amazon for like $65 or something nice yeah it was quite a while ago dang yeah yeah the uh i i actually uh am a big fan of the 360 controller um but right now my preferred controllers are the steam controller and the the uh the switch pro it is nice i i use it sometimes when i'm feeling lazy and i want to like chill out on the couch and like play games or uh whatever you know just move it to the tv and you know, chill out. It yeah. does work pretty well for first-person shooters, but honestly, you know, as far as what I want in a controller, I can't think of really anything else. I like the fact that they're moving to USB-C yeah. for charging. It's kind of a bummer, though, because, like, I'm hoping that the end that plugs into the computer is not USB-C because I don't have any USB-C ports. Um, I know eventually that's going to be the only thing, but as of right now, I don't have it, and I really don't want, like, an adapter sticking out. Right. Um. But as far as all that goes, honestly, I mean, moving to like a newer version of Bluetooth or uh, wireless might even be better, honestly, like being able to connect to your network versus uh, Bluetooth because Bluetooth does introduce a crap ton of latency. It does, yeah. But I don't know if like wireless over the network talking to the computer would introduce more. I really don't know. Um, It probably wouldn't as crappy as Bluetooth is as far as latency goes. (laughs) Uh, But I think newer versions of Bluetooth are better. Um, Yeah. But as far as, like, like, outside of that, I can't really think of anything. I can't you, know, think it, you know what I would like For a controller, it's actually pretty good. It's it's good, but, you know, honestly, what I would like to see 
Uh, I'm a big, big, big fan of the uh, the Nintendo GameCube controller. And I have one right here, and I'm going to no. pull this up. No. Yeah, the GameCube no. controller no. is a fantastic, uh-huh. fantastic controller. No. And I'm holding no. it up for the, for the people watching on the video. Uh, yeah. So... Um, Please point and laugh at him. This, if you were to replace the the A button with the trackpad, <sighs> and then you have like the 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 face. Are you just talking orbiting. about the like the the ergonomic layout of like the the hull of the controller? I'm talking about like, not, like not the, say the, the button placement, but I'm talking about the button placement. I really Ooh. love that button placement. If you move, really, yes. If you, yeah, because you have like all in, all of your you have your primary action button. It, on the Steam controller, this would be your thumb pad, right, on the right side. And then if you were to like take the A, B, X, and Y buttons and orbit them around the 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 pad, so your A, B, X, and Y would be you know around the outside of the controller, uh, the the pad like this. That would be fantastic in my opinion, because then you would have you would have to move your finger far less distance from the aiming pad if you're playing a first person shooter to jump. Or to do any of those things, they'd be readily available, and you already have like the 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 clicks on the back and the triggers, and you can click the the um, the pad. But if you were to move these face buttons to orbit the outside of the Steam controller, the the of the of the right pad here, that would be amazing in my opinion. I think that would be absolutely cool. You know, I'm really curious to see what other people think of that because no offense, but I'm not a fan of that controller at all the gamecube no oh, it is man, better I than the n64 the controller if you had picked up an n64 controller like i missed this i would have probably just went you know what i'm done <laughs> no <laughs> like i I'm don't done. like the game the n64 controller anymore. oh i understand that they were like trying to think of a way and they couldn't copy the playstation because remember well, the playstation ba- basically copied the snes no for the analog sticks the, about analog, the analog sticks, sticks came out after the n64 launched yeah, yeah, yeah. But Sony had a um, a patent for it. Oh, well. And they were working with Nintendo. There's a big fallout over the history between the two. Yeah. But anyway, my point was more the N64 is terrible and the GameCube isn't much better. Now, I will say this about the GameCube. Um, I like the size of the controller. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it fits pretty nicely. Um, and some of them, uh, aren't, there are adapters and stuff for it now, I believe. You can hook it up to like the Switch and stuff and all now. Yeah, I have it. I I have that specifically oh, for nice. Smash. Yeah, I love Smash on the Switch with the GameCube controller. It's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, I just don't think it has enough buttons on it. Is my thing. I mean, well, I guess it sort of does, it, but it really doesn't. It could stand to have a few more. Um, but with I think with the Steam controller, I think what I would like to see is just the buttons more readily accessible because I think that these face buttons being where they are really really sucks i just don't like where the face buttons are on the steam controller um and i know and maybe maybe they duplicate so you have abx and y where they are currently and then you have them orbiting the outside of the steam controller as well in the same orientation so a would be on the bottom b would be on the right y would be on the top x would be on the side on the left side so i think that would be really useful um yeah i don't know the new design doesn't look too bad I don't know how I feel about AXYB being underneath like that. You know, in the, the yeah. image on that video. Right. You can see it in the show notes for everyone wondering. It's the thumbnail for that video. I'm not really too sure how I feel about that placement, but I sort of get it. Um, so I guess oh, we'll see. Oh, on the back. Right, right. Mm. Yeah. I think that that is cool, but 
uh, I mean, the thing is, like, the face buttons where they are on the current Steam controller kind of suck. I don't think that they're yeah, they're not the useful, best, especially I in a first-person like shooter, right? Yeah, I like it because it actually works for a first-person shooter. Not not the not like the not those button placements, but I mean, like, it actually does a good job, sort of mimicking a mouse. The thing is with sort of with the i i like that that's the thing is like but when you have your mouse you know i mean granted if you hold your steam controller like a noob and you put your your ring finger or your index finger and your middle finger on the two shoulder buttons and use your pinky and ring finger for the back buttons then you have all those buttons readily accessible while you still have your thumb on the trackpad and you can click so that's four buttons and you're actuating the view control on a first-person shooter. But if you want to do something more than that, or the uh, you know, or or setting up different configurations is kind of a pain in the ass. Like then you have to move your thing, your thumb off of the uh, trackpad in order to actuate any of the A, B, X, and Y buttons. And I don't. I just think that that's a flawed design. The um, yeah. The what I have done in a lot of first-person shooters is I will make. Uh, you know, if A is jump in a, in this first person shooter, a hypothetical one, I will actually move it to Y, and then if if I need another button like melee, I move it to B, so that they're right there. I don't have to move my finger all the way down to A. You know what I'm saying? I can just yeah. do Y and B, and I feel like if the buttons were around the outside of the thumb pad, it would make a lot more sense because they would be readily accessible without having to move your finger too far. I I don't know. No, I, I agree with you. The other problem, uh, I guess, too, is is it's not so much the Steam controller, but I would like to see games developed for the Steam controller. Yeah. Like, I think that's another big problem. The Steam controller, no one really develops games for it. Honestly, having an Xbox 360 or Xbox One controller or even a DualShock 4 is better because the games actually support it. Like, they are, yeah, okay, their PC ports are you know, whatever, but they they have actual literal support and the, the layout of all the buttons and everything is taken into account. Now, granted, you know, the sticks aren't as great as uh, the Steam Controller's pointer, but, I mean, you know, the, the, you know, the games are much better designed for that than they are the Steam Controller is my point. Yeah. And I think that's something Valve isn't focusing on and should be focusing on. It's right. convincing developers to support the Steam Controller even if you got to pay them like 10 grand or no money and you come in and you do it yourself and then they put like a little logo like support steam controller somewhere that needs to be done like don't they Valve, have like a steam Valve controller badge on, that on, spot. on certain page games pages yes yeah yes i mean yes, i think do. it should be more emphasized but what are the requirements but what are the requirements i don't know do you just check a box as a developer probably I'm fairly certain you just check a box as a developer this game supports steam control okay yeah but so valve are so hands off dude like that's so, one of my I know. biggest problems i know with valve. i know they need to be more hands-on in certain cases they don't need to be like epic and buying up <laughs> games and turn them into exclusive right and then telling everyone how they're wonderful and how everyone should worship them and you know put flower petals in front of them while tim sweeney walks no no, but they do need to be more hands-on with their products. Like, yeah. you make a great product, now you got to get people to use it. Yeah. The thing is, it's like, you know, the the uh, the platform holders, like the Sony and Microsoft and uh, Nintendo even, have all settled on this one design for controller. 
because you know it, it works it's general fairness. purpose enough right and so and people are used to that paradigm the thing is the reason that they that's that paradigm was settled on is because there was tons and tons of innovation and then uh eventually game developers were like ah here is how we utilize this technology and a lot of that was from first party developers utilizing the technology in interesting and innovative ways first party developers uh you know valve are the hardware designers of this and they don't really make video games now especially not uh, games that require a controller so um the the fact that they're not developing first party software that that uh, particularly and novelly uses the steam controller it just kind of blows my mind and it and it lets all of the work that this that the company did to make the steam controller just kind of languish on the side of the road and it's like they should be <laughs> developing games specifically for the steam controller that uses it in an interesting way but yeah they're not that's that's where nintendo you know i love to joke about like the gamecube controller or the n64 controller is a great example of that or the wiimote remember that thing yeah but developers when given weird funky harder from nintendo surprise surprise do sometimes turn out some pretty innovative crap yeah oh yeah absolutely now I would say the N sixty four controller is terrible because it is. It is. Um, but they didn't know what they were may- doing at that point either. Yeah, it was early. It's even, terrible. Even in Sony hindsight. didn't realize to put those analog sticks in, and then they made the Dual Shock, and they were like, "Whoa, this this changes everything." Yeah. Because you know now you can Escape? use the directional pads for other stuff. Man, Ape Escape was only made to showcase the Dual Shock. That's what That's I'm saying. What it was made for Valve needs to make the Ape Escape <laughs> of the GameCube of the uh, of the Half-Life Steam controller. 3. Only supports the Steam controller. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Half-Life 3 is probably going to be a, a freaking VR experience. And that's where... See, the thing is, it's like in the current paradigm where it's like you sit in front of a two-dimensional screen and you play a game uh, from the 10-foot experience, the, the regular control s- scheme for a regular controller just works. It's good enough. But the reason that Valve are doing like the Knuckles controllers or the Index controllers, whatever they're called now, and that's going to become the standard for VR, in my opinion, because VR needs a different kind of controller. It's necessitated um, by the by the new uh, interaction paradigm. So it's like with this, I feel like the Steam controller could be uh, improved simply by releasing better like first party software that shows like an interesting way of developing a game and and interacting with a game with the steam controller with its unique yeah. feature set that's a cool idea and they the fact that they're not doing that kind of makes me a sad boy Aww. <laughs> yeah I don't know. What do you guys think? What do you guys want from uh, a new iteration of the Steam Controller hardware? Let us know in the forums, forum.heavyelement.io. This part of the show is actually going to be on YouTube um, because people just aren't listening to the audio feed. So if you you like what you saw here on YouTube, you can head over to the audio feed, uh, uh, offtopical.net, and you can subscribe to the audio podcast there. yeah, let us know in the forums, forum.heavyelement.io, what you'd like to see with this, uh, with the new Steam controller.
Next up, Valve have built a new shader compiler for AMD GPUs, and they're looking for help. And Raven, this is a little over my head, so let me know uh, what you think about this. You know, honestly, I was kind of surprised when they announced it because it's fairly typical of Valve to just be like, hey, we've been working on this for like six months and no one has leaked it, which is just mind-blowing to me. Um, But truthfully, I think it's great. Uh, You know, uh, well, you know how it is. You've ran NVIDIA before. Usually when you have NVIDIA on Linux, as much as people like to say you have problems, there really are no problems with NVIDIA on Linux unless you have Optimus, but... That's right. that's a whole different ballpark. That's not even remotely fair to compare to AMD, considering they don't even have that as a feature. Right. Um, but if you do use AMD, and for those of you that do, you probably know what I'm talking about, particularly now that, like, Proton is... Holy crap, is Proton popular? Like, that's, like, a freaking understatement as to how yeah. popular Proton is. Proton's awesome. If they had launched with Proton, I don't even want to know where uh, we would be right now. Microsoft might be hurting yeah. if they had launched with Proton. Even without Vulkan, if they had just said, you know, we basically support almost all DirectX 9 games back in 2012, wow. Just wow. Yeah. That would have just been mind-blowing. Um, but anyway, um, one, of the, one of the sucky parts is uh, waiting for the shaders to compile in some games. And I know that this game is not on Steam, but Overwatch is a fantastic example of waiting for shaders to compile. Or, better yet, Unreal Engine 4. Right. It just takes forever. It takes literally forever. And the other reason, too, is they use um, LLVM to compile the shaders. And, you know, LLVM is great, don't get me wrong. But I think it's nice of Valve to develop something specifically for compiling shaders. Yeah. Because LLVM does so much... And they break stuff, you know, They, because, you know, again, LLVM, it's not really meant just for, you know, AMD's open source drivers or Intel's. I could see Intel probably picking this up and adapting it probably even right. because, I mean, it's, it's it, granted, it doesn't bring much performance improvements and I don't ever foresee it bringing much more than it already has. But the fact it's already cut shader compile time almost in half, that alone makes it worth it. Yeah, the the what I saw on uh, the gaming on Linux article was actually pretty impressive. Um, even even like gaming performance is a little bit improved over the uh, the LLVM version. Yeah, it's for most games, it's really not that much. It really isn't. It's just a little bit more. But when you look, when you compare it to the the time it takes to compile the shaders, that's where it gets like, oh my. Yeah, and <laughs> like, that's going to reduce load times, right? Yes. Also, all that micro stuttering that you get when you're, because you know it's trying to compile the freaking game. Oh right. All the shaders. So, so the shaders. Because that's a big problem with Overwatch. See, I, this is where I'm a little confused because I don't know anything about graphics programming or anything like that. So, when it comes to like shaders, do they distribute like the source of the shader like stuff, and then it has to get compiled for each different graphics card? Yes. Really? Typically, the, the shaders are found in your in the game. I mean, most modern engines like Unity and all, you know, the shader file is, you know, just a big ass binary blob buried within another binary blob. Wow. But yes, the graphics card still has to compile it. Or sorry, it still has to be compiled. That's fascinating. Is that because they're the architecture between like Intel and Nvidia and uh, AMD? Well, it's are just not different? just it's not just the difference. It's not just the difference between like 
the brands. It's also the actual cards themselves, even oh, within the same brands. Okay. So you, you build it specifically for the card. Interesting. Um, but, you know, one thing that Valve has done, at least for ProtonDB, is the shader database. Because, yeah. you know, so many people might have the same cards, and, you know, I, I opt into that. I mean, I don't know how many people have RTX 2080s, but TIs, but why not? Yeah. I mean, if, if they already have it, that's great. I can just jump in, start playing the game. I don't have to compile any shaders. If, if I don't, then I'll compile them with my machine and then upload them and then boom, you know. Like, it's great. It's fantastic. And it's not, it's what, a few kilobytes of, you know, data? <laughs> Who cares? Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's very nice. But the biggest thing for me, uh, as far as AMD goes, is just improving the overall stuff. Because I really like the open source drivers. But I don't care what anyone says outside of what re- the way the world really works. And that is that, honestly, NVIDIA still offers more. Unless you care about Wayland, which I don't. I know. I'm going to get so much hate <laughs> for that one. But it's true. I don't care about Wayland. Yeah. Wayland, Wayland has not yet replaced XORG. Don't get me wrong. I look forward to the day when Wayland takes over XORG, but it's not here yet. So for me, NVIDIA is perfectly fine. And NVIDIA is even getting Wayland support on KDE and GNOME. Oh, cool. Finally. It only took forever. Um, and that's another thing, too. You know, uh, probably a real quick mention for those of you who haven't heard. Uh, Valve shocked everyone. Uh, and it, it happened, what, two weeks ago when Ubuntu decided they were going to drop 32-bit support and then pretended like they didn't do that. Yeah. Um, or that's not what they said, even though that's exactly what they said. Um Valve is uh, supporting certain KDE and uh, related projects like KWIN. I didn't know that. When when did they say that? Uh, like a few days after the canonical thing. And it really, 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 really makes me wonder if... Because remember, they were like, well, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to rely... Like, canonical burned the bridge with Valve, in my opinion. Like, maybe not completely. Like, it's still standing and you can still walk across it, but it's pretty charred. Yeah. I think Valve is going to start funding a bunch of other Linux stuff, which to me is just awesome. Like, you know, they, they fund F-Audio, which fastly has improved Wine's audio support. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Valve, it's just... Valve, like, the thing is, like, I give Valve a lot of crap because they make really stupid decisions, but, like, they are one of the... One of the uh, one of the primary, if not one of the only champions of desktop Linux. Like most, I know. most they really Linux are. Company, like most companies that have anything to do with Linux are server companies. Like they want, they want Linux for the server. They don't really give a crap about desktop Linux. Valve are one of the few. Like I'd say Valve and System76 and Purism. And I'm trying to think of others. But, like, there aren't a whole lot. <laughs> Canonical used to care Canonical about Canonical used to, but obviously they don't anymore. And so it's like, yeah. it's like there are of only a handful of, of companies in this world that actually give a crap and put their money where their mouth is about desktop Linux. And Valve is one of them. And for that, they get infinite uh, uh, lives, in my opinion. Like, <laughs> even if they do really stupid shit sometimes, they're going to be able to restart the level at, without any problem, because, like, I, I'm i never going to give them a game over. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I do. 
Uh, I don't know. <laughs> what do you guys think about this story? Do you think that uh, uh, do you think that Valve doing this is is awesome? I mean, how could this not be awesome, right? Let us know uh, in the forums uh, forum.heavyelement.io. Okay, a big part of the internet went down this week. What the hell happened, man? Basically, this is insane to me. Uh, have you? Did you read about any of this? Do you know how any of this went down? Well, I remember last week when Verizon decided to make a whoopsie and tank half the internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Do you know? Yeah, but do you know what the, the post mortem of this whole thing is, though? Nope. I, I never uh, looked into it past that point. Dude, all right. So I, I wrote I wrote up a whole bunch of stuff. I did a bunch of research, and uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, um, but I'm pretty sure that this is. You know, my interpretation of this, I'll present it to you here. Basically, Verizon um, uh, adopted some border gateway protocol routing things from one of their downstream uh, network providers. And it caused like Cloudflare, Facebook, Microsoft and Twitter and Amazon to all have connectivity issues um, throughout the entire world, which is insane. And Cloudflare uh, wrote up this awesome, awesome, awesome blog post about what happened. Uh, so essentially what happened was uh, a small company and a small ISP in uh, northern Pennsylvania um, created uh, some border gateway routes, which is like, I'll go into what border gateway routing is. Um, uh, but they they created these border gateway routes and what happened was verizon ended up adopting those routes and sending like a quarter of all internet traffic throughout the entire world through this freaking rural isps network dude and it it's insane dude it's basically and it buckled oh dude it buckled it crashed hard basically cloudflare equated what happened to um ways or google maps routing uh the entire freeways traffic through a neighborhood street and that's absolutely <laughs> accurate here so the internet is made up of these small computer networks they're called uh, autonomous systems and each of them are connected to each other through a protocol called the border gateway protocol and what bgp does uh is it allows these different autonomous network segments to communicate with each other and route traffic between them um, BGP routes can uh, range from broad, like uh, I want to go to Philadelphia, or specific, like I want to go to the the Metropolitan Museum of Art, right? Uh, so, and essentially, uh, the more specific it is, the uh, the the less uh, obvious it's going to be for a uh, like a high a high protocol uh, a high. T- a, what, do you, what would you call it? Like a network pro- provider at the very top of the chain to actually adopt it, right? Um, or that right. at least is how it should work. Uh, it's essentially similar to how, like, you're so, if you're familiar with CSS, if you're selecting, like, a class versus selecting an ID, uh, it's similar to that. So uh, what happened with um, an ISP, uh, what happened was an ISP in Pennsylvania was using a BGP optimizer on their network, which laid out a bunch of specific routes to popular websites like Facebook and Twitter and st- such. Basically, this ISP sent their router configurations to one of their customers called Allegheny Technology, who then forwarded this routing information to Verizon, who then overrode the, the, the broader BGP traffic routes 
to these more specific ones and sent global traffic through this local ISP's network, which was unequipped to handle it. <laughs> it's insane, dude. I can't believe that this actually happened. Um, and, and it could have been prevented if, the, uh, if Verizon were following any one of a number of best practices, uh, which they weren't because it's Verizon and they're lazy and they don't care about anything. And they're also a major piece of infrastructure uh, for the global internet. And that is just terrifying. So that's yeah. the story, Raven. What do you think, man? Tell me your thoughts on this. I, I honestly, I think that's just stupid. Uh, that's literally all I could say to that. That is just, wow. Yeah. It was like, basically it was like mostly an automated process where like these, these, uh, these very specific routing, uh, tables were basically bubbled up from like a, a rural ISP and then it ended up being adopted by the global Verizon infrastructure routing tables. And it's like, why dude, there, dude, there should have been, uh, protections in place for this to happen because these are hyper specific. Uh, uh, they're called, I think they're called more specifics, uh, for routing. I think that's like the actual term they're called more specifics. And, um, Verizon should never adopt more specifics unless they are doing it themselves, but they didn't. And so they routed most of the internet traffic through this tiny ISP. And it's so, you know, that ISP awful. was freaking out too, man, dude. Oh my God. They I were like, what's imagine. going on. There could have been like actual damage to their hardware. Like that. I mean, that's the amount of traffic that was going through this network. They probably just shut it all down. Quite frankly. Oh, yeah. I probably, I would, if I were in charge, I'd be like, what is happening? Pull the plug. <laughs> Oh my god! I remember when it was happening, and everyone at my uh, my former day job were asking me what uh, was going on, and I was like, I don't know. Uh, probably something's wrong on like a global level. I had no. You know idea. what's funny is uh, I was unaffected. See, some people were were unaffected, and it's like it depends on where your BGP routes are coming from. Like if you're on, uh, I, I don't. I, I, I was on Spectrum. Um, when I was using it, cause I was doing some consulting work at my former day job and it was, it was bothering us there. But when I came home, uh, I had full access to Facebook and Twitter and stuff. So my local ISP, uh, is not getting, uh, traffic or not routing traffic through Verizon's network, obviously. Yeah. My internet service provider has their own, uh, network, which I think is what saved them from that. That's awesome. They don't they don't route anything to uh, Verizon. I'm I'm sure at some point you go through Verizon because you know it's all interconnected. But yeah, they have their own. I'm actually really thankful for that they invested like hundreds of millions of dollars over the past 15 years. Yeah, because <laughs> it turns out when Verizon shits itself. I'm still okay. Yeah. Oh man, it just but like think about how like what would happen. I mean, this is a tiny, tiny configuration. I mean, it's not that tiny, but, like, it's a misconfiguration and, and like, a quarter of the internet traffic. Or, or I guess what uh, Cloudflare said was that it was uh, 15% of, of their global internet traffic was sent through this incorrect thing. So if you think about, like, how much traffic goes to Cloudflare alone, that's a lot. And this was affecting, like, not just... Um, uh, these like big like social media networks this was also uh affecting like linode and a couple other companies too and it's like you think about how if if verizon just misconfigures this one thing 
And then all of a sudden, 15% of, of the global internet traffic is just being leaked into like the nether. It's like websites go down. Like all these centralized systems that, that, are, supposed to, that are supposed to be decentralized, it's just scary to me. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. This is just awful. Well, you know, the thing is, is like getting into the U.S., there's only a few backbones. So any of the traffic that has to go through the U.S. has to go through those backbones. And Verizon controls some of them. So what most likely happened is they screwed up. All the traffic that has to route through that way just got funneled to wherever in hell Verizon said it goes. Yeah, and gets lost. And it, Yeah, it's and like, Verizon sent it to a small ISP that was probably like, well, we're getting some good traffic today. I wonder what's going on. <laughs> oh, my God, what is going on? Yeah. I, I'm you know, freaking out. Like, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't have the presence of mind to try a, a VPN, which I, I have a VPN. I actually have two VPNs, but uh, I should have tried the VPN. I, I don't know if that would have worked. It, it might have helped. Yeah, let's get into the VPN. Meant you had to go through freaking Verizon. Yeah. Right. <laughs> anyway, uh, were you guys affected by uh, the the outage of uh, these different uh, networks? Let us know in the show notes, forum.heavyelement.io. You can also send us an email at show at offtopical.net. Did you hear about this, Raven? In the UK, 30,000 online followers makes you an internet celebrity. Surprisingly, not a cyber celebrity. (laughs) You would expect that a a government would, would call it cyber celebrity, wouldn't you? Yeah... See, here's the thing. <laughs> 30,000 people is practically nothing, and attributing all those people, it just sounds like they want to control someone. That's really all it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of torn about this. I, so if you don't know what's going on here, there's a link in the show notes, uh, forum.heavyelement.io. The, uh, the UK Advertising Standards Authority stated in a ruling on Wednesday that a uh, lifestyle blogger with 32,000 followers had the attention of a significant number of people and that she was subject to advertising laws, which meant she needed to disclose that uh, what the, the sponsored content on her dis- blog was actually sponsored content, which she wasn't doing. Uh, in response to the uh, UK St- Advertising Standards Authority, uh, she said, well, it's not like I'm David Beckham and I have like a m- couple million subscribers or followers on Instagram. I only have 32,000 followers. Um, to which they responded, no, 30,000 is, uh, is a significant uh, amount of people. So you are obligated to disclose your sponsored content. And I think that there are some positives and some negatives here. The first is that there's less ambiguity in the law, at least when it comes to the UK. And I think that that's universally a good thing. Like if there's less ambiguity, it makes uh, doing what I do online that much easier. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Less ambiguity in the law is always a helpful, helpful thing. Yeah. The second thing uh, is that the advertising laws apply to smaller outlets Uh, which gives the government more authority to regulate sponsored posts. And that might be a good or a bad thing, depending on your perspective. And if the scope of what a sponsored post uh, is remains what it is, you know what I'm saying? Um, I think that this is probably a good thing. Um, I I think there should be tight limits on how sponsored content is presented to viewers. Uh, And, and honestly, like if you are, 
a creator and you accept sponsored deals and you don't disclose it, I think you're a little bit unethical. Uh, in the United States, uh, the FTC says that anyone with any online presence should disclose their sponsored content in order to uh, not be prosecuted for uh, not disclosing that information. I think it's just an ethical thing to do in my book. So that's why when I do uh, my videos that are sponsored, I, the first thing that you see on the screen is uh, this video is sponsored by company. I just think yeah. that that's a good thing to do. Yeah, and I, like I like I... I don't disagree that it's always a good idea to disclose regardless of the size of who you are. But at the same time, it just seems weird because 30,000 really isn't that much influence. Let's be honest. Well, the thing is 30,000 people is a not insignificant number as well. Like it's, it's not like, it's not like it's a thousand people, 30,000 people. That's like a stadium full of people. That's true. If you, you know, if you put it into like a physical perspective, like if you have like 30,000 people on the internet, you sure, sure. It's not a million people, but if you think about filling an arena full of 30,000 people, there are some arenas in the world that don't even, that don't fit 30,000 people in them. So it's like, that is a lot of people, but you know, we, what we think of like the internet in this ephemeral, in these ephemeral terms where like a hundred thousand people doesn't even seem like that many, but that's a hundred thousand people. 30,000 people is a lot. And it's like, sure. I have 45,000 subscribers on YouTube, right? Thank you all 45,000 people who sub- hit that subscribe button. I just hit 45,000 sub- subscribers today. But what I'm trying to say is that when I tell someone who is not a YouTube follower in any you know sense of the word that i have forty five thousand followers their reaction isn't wow that's only forty five thousand their reaction is forty five thousand that's really impressive because that's a lot of people thirty thousand is still fr- pretty freaking impressive in my opinion and so it's like i i don't know it's i think that this is probably a, a good thing so long as the scope of what sponsored content actually means doesn't change because I know that the the uh, the UK government it d- tends to move the goalposts with this kind of stuff. You know to say, yeah. See, that's that's another problem with the government getting involved. Like I like I said, I do agree that the removal of ambiguity is nice, but at the same time, it's like mm, they're not going to be content with this. Oh no, no, of course not. But you know, that's for uh, the the we the people to uh, to hold them accountable. Smack for. them down. Yeah. Uh, and maybe you you might call me an idealist, but I think that our our uh, at least in the United States, our government was uh, predicated on the idea of the media and we the people holding the government accountable for their uh, for their inaction or for their overreach, and that's what that's how our government was designed. And I think that that's really important that we maintain that level that standard. Um, but I'm not going to tur- turn this into like me preaching about politics because nobody wants to hear what I have to say. <laughs> I'm too much of an optimist. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? <laughs> I want to know what you guys think. What do you think about this world? Do you think 30,000 people is too few, too many? Let us know in the show notes, forum.heavyelement.io. I think this one, that one might go on YouTube too. I thought that was really a good, a good one. Yeah, it was a good second. All right, the last story here. Alexa, how long have you been keeping my voice recordings?
basically forever, she says. Oh my god, did you hear about this, Raven? I did, and I wasn't even surprised. In fact, what surprised me is that the politicians were surprised. <laughs> yeah, well, the thing is, a lot of politicians are pretty clueless about the about like technology. Yeah, and so when Senator Chris Coons of Delaware sent a, a list of questions to Amazon's commander in creep, Jeff Bezos, last May. Did you call him commander in creep? Yes, I did. He's a creep. Fair Just enough. Just look at him. I, 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 Ooh. <laughs> Amazon. Oh, shots fired. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, I want to make a shirt that says Commander and Creep, and it has Jeff Bezos and uh, uh, freaking Mark Zuckerberg's faces on it. Commanders and Creep. You got to pick the one where they both look bug-eyed, you know, where they're staring at the camera. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, Chris Coons asked uh, Jeff Bezos back in May, hey, what do you do with all that uh, data there that you collect about people when, you're, when they're using your uh, voice do whatever assistance? whatever we want with it. Yeah, and Amazon replied, Forever. they said, quote, uh, we basically keep everything. No, well, that's not the quote. They, what they said was, quote, we retain customers' voice recordings and transcripts until the customer chooses to delete them. And uh, then, That's not it. And then yeah. when uh, they also went on to clarify that third-party developers who create skills for Alexa, they, under certain circumstances have to keep those recordings indefinitely and they gave the example of if you order a pizza with your alexa the skill developer has to keep that information which is so weird what how what does anyone i mean i guess i don't live in an area where you can uh order things with your freaking voice assistant but uh i guess somebody might have done that maybe once oh i have a friend that does that really whenever you play games yeah whenever you play games with him uh, he'll be like, Alexa, order me a pizza. Yikes, dude. And then he sits there and orders a pizza from, like, wherever. That's weird. Yeah, it sucks. Every time I tell him, I'm like, dude, you need to, like, take that Alexa and throw it out the door. He's like, why? I'm like, because I'm talking. That's creepy, dude. I, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's terrible. Yeah. He loves that thing. Hilariously, though, uh... It's it's weird because you know back when you could order stuff with Alexa before they put in the security safeguards. Yeah. See, it was fun when you had it then, but now it's not fun anymore because you can't do that. Right. Because uh, we totally ordered stuff from with his Alexa when he was gone. <laughs> See, that's just like. <sighs> and then he was like, because he got the thing on the phone, and you know he canceled it because you know obviously. Yeah. He didn't actually get any of it, but uh, yeah. We were trying to teach him that the Alexa is bad, and now that they've fixed that, he's like, no, my Alexa's great. I was like, your Alexa records everything. Because I'm sure you remember it was about a year ago. Uh, someone requested his Alexa data, and they sent him, one, the wrong Alexa data, yeah. and two, it picked up stuff in that person's bathroom and everything, yeah. man. Like, it picked up everything in their whole apartment, like, everything. Yeah. And also, they go on to say that they do sample a small number of it. So some Amazon employees might be, like, listening to you having sex or talking about your taxes. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, you heard about that the Facebook thing where, like, there were tons of uh, Facebook employees who had, like, complete access to people's profiles. And they were just, like, sifting through it and, like, finding n nudes and stuff. Or is, was that MySpace? I, I read an Pretty article. Sure Facebook. 
was it Facebook? I read an article the other day. I can't remember where, but one of MySpace is basically dead, so no, it's but, probably Facebook. Well, I read one about MySpace the other day, and it was like back when MySpace was big. But uh, the, ah. but I, I don't know. I don't know who it was. But anyway, basically, these companies don't care about security. The only kind of security they care about is making sure that uh, hackers don't get access to their stuff. But like you know, their employees usually have tons and tons of like access like way more access than most people would be comfortable with if they knew about it to your information and it's like just the fact that the alexa is like in your house and like even if you know uh, a commercial turns on and it's like oh hey alexa you know which commercials have done that there are also like you know the Alexa will mishear wake words and so it'll just start recording randomly and then not stop randomly. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know. This just creeps me out. I think this is so bad. And if you have an Alexa, toss that thing in the freaking garbage, dude. Like, uh, basically you, what you need to do is go into your Amazon account and, and like listen to all your recordings and listen and try and find all the times yeah, where you didn't it. ask request for that information. Yeah. And you need it to, takes a while for it to get to you. Well, I think that there's like a a, a front end uh, where you can actually listen to. Well, you have to you have to request it, and then you have to wait for their database to submit it all to you. Hold yeah. on, I'm I used to have an Alexa when I was younger. <laughs> yeah, hold on. Uh, I'm gonna go into my settings here. Um, you know, speaking of creepy employees, while you figure that out. It reminds me of a story because uh, remember Google used to have like a lot of security features in place and I don't even know if they do anymore to prevent employees from having access to their actual database. Yeah. Like they could request stuff from it, but you know, they need all these permissions, but you still need someone to have the ability to go in and do anything. Right. So they have these very well-paid engineers who are capable of going in. And it reminds me of that case of that man who stalked that girl. And the reason I say girl is because if I remember correctly, she was underage Oh, really? And, uh, yeah, like, she changed, like, all of her information and stuff, and since he was a Google engineer, he just went back and changed it back. Like, she blocked him and everything, and he just went into the Google's, uh, he went into the, wherever their data center is for that and, like, signed in just to do that. Hmm. And Google caught him because they thought that was strange because, you know, all that stuff is audited. Not even audited, but, you know, I guess yeah. when one of them does it, they all get notifications about it in some form. And someone thought it was weird. So it was actually Google who ended up, I believe, calling the cops on him. Right. Because they thought it was weird and they looked into it. But anyway, you know, some people have to have power about that. But I just wonder how many people really have access. Like, you know, say a company of like 10,000 people and only like 15 people have access. That's not too bad. But say you have 15,000 people and 10,000 have access. That's freaking terrifying. Yeah. Because someone does have to have access. Like, if you're going to have something centralized like that, not even, even if it's decentralized, someone has to have access. Because yeah. otherwise they can't fix it when, it when problems go wrong. Right. And, you know, you want the problems fixed. But, like, in the case of Amazon, they literally have employees whose job is to sit there and listen to that crap. Why? I don't know. <laughs> that seems weird to me. Yeah. But So, I was able to find the, the voice history here. So, if you go to your Amazon account... And under account and account and list, click on uh, where is it? Your content and devices, and then at the top, uh, when on that page it loads Alexa privacy, you can actually scroll down and uh, change the date range, and you can listen to 
all of your Alexa history. <laughs> That's creepy. Yeah, and it shows you what Alexa replied as well. So, like, where it says this one, I don't know who said this. It might have been my girlfriend at the time. Said play classical station, and and then it says getting uh, classical for studying radio station from. Oh, it is my girlfriend's account. Yeah, so getting classical for studying radio station from my girlfriend's Pandora account, right? So, and they're also on this page, you can um, delete all recordings for all history, which is really nice. Yeah, except that it probably doesn't. Well, it probably deletes it from what you can see. <laughs> yeah, that it uh, probably does do. Anyway, this is just so strange and weird, and, and you know, I, I wish that I had never bought one. But at the same time, I was a dumbass back then, and... Uh, I really wanted Star Trek-like voice commands in my house. Uh, what do you guys think about this story? Do you want to go delete your Amazon Echo history now? Uh, visit the show notes, forum.heavyelement.io. I hope that uh, the link that I provide will be able to uh, take you right to that deletion page. Um, yeah, dude, this is so weird. I don't know. This story sucks. So, Raven... I forgot to ask for uh, listener questions. <laughs> so you did. I, I suck. I apologize. Um, we're going to try and get the more listener questions uh, going on next week. Um, it's okay, everyone. I'll hound him. I'll make sure he remembers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you want, Raven can post questions about for accepting questions on the on his accounts. You can follow. Yeah, I need to start accounts. doing that because yeah, you guys. You don't ask enough questions. We need more questions. Listener questions are the best, usually. Yeah. Much more exciting than, you know, Amazon being creepy. Right. Amazon's like that creepy uncle that you don't want to be around. Yeah. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, Thanks to everyone uh, for listening. Thanks to Raven for being here. Uh, It's it's been a pleasure, my friend. And it has. It's been wonderful. Yeah. This has been the Off Topical Podcast. My name is Gardner, and let's do this again soon. 